Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. And I'm Wesley Fenza. Hey. Wesley Fenza, welcome. I Do you always introduce yourself as Wesley? I usually hear Wes in my head. On podcasts, I do. Two syllables rolls off the tongue easier. And since the last name is two syllables, it's got the nice cadence to it. Yeah. Well, Wesley Fenza, we have invited you here to discuss Unbounded Distrust, and more specifically, because Unbounded Distrust is way too goddamn long, How to Bounded Distrust, which V was so kind as to eventually produce as a distillation of the things to take out of his original post. This is all about how to read news media stuff. And I'm the only person you know who knows how to read news media? Exactly. (laughs) I go to you for all my news media news, news, as I hear Stephen does. Yeah, I get all my news, most of my news from the uh, the Mind Killer podcast. If anyone hasn't checked it out, they should check it out. That is the correct decision, as we'll get to later. What is the tagline for the Mind Killer? It's the rationalist brain on politics. And we've been workshopping, keeping the rationalist community informed about the things that are going on outside of the rationalist community. I like it. Is that why there's an AI update every two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well also, we can't not talk about it. And it's also actually happening outside the rationalist sphere, too. You know, everyone's yeah, talking absolutely. about it. It's not, it's not, uh, yeah, it's no longer internal rationalist stuff. Back when it was, we didn't talk about it. Yeah, it's, you know. It's true. It is funny, like, seeing coworkers now bring it up and stuff. Someone mentioned chat, GT- chat GTP in a pull request on GitHub, and I'm just like, you guys are streets behind. That's kind of the fun thing is I get to feel streets ahead on stuff. What was also fun is the C- CTO said uh, he encourages the use of chat GTP when appropriate. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you why should. wouldn't you? If it, Yeah. If it increases your workers' productivity, I encourage the use of shovels when appropriate. He's smart and forward thinking. I think a lot of people are like, don't use, you know, write it, write it yourself, you know, whatever, know what you're doing, et cetera. I can see that being an attitude, but not an attitude from this guy. So, Inia, shovels make men soft. Real men dig with their hands. Yeah. It's true. Are we diving right into bounded distrust? There was a follow-up from last time. Yeah, you were talking about, like, we had the less strong post about whatever that little math seven-line proof that proves one plus one doesn't equal two or something. I forgot the Oh, yeah. Nonsense. What do you do when you find a math proof like that that disproves all of math, but it's too complicated for you to deconstruct yourself? Yeah, and, and you were you were wrestling with the fact that it feels icky to just, you know, throw the distrust out the window. I was like, well, it's obviously nonsense because like that's something mm-hmm. that, you know, people who are deceiving themselves a lot will do a lot, right? Okay. It occurred to me a few days later, isn't that exactly like a Pascal's mugging? It's similar, except the Pascal's mugging wouldn't give you the tools to discover whether or not it's true. Oh, I suppose so. Yes, but I see theoretically, what you're saying, I could become a mathematician. Sort of. Yeah. I, I like the way you're looking at it. I, I shouldn't think about that too much because you're right. It's a very silly esoteric topic. And it's all about who can you trust when, which is oddly pertinent to what we're about to talk about. I was going to say, I feel like the answer is to engage in bounded distrust. Well, how do we do that? And what is that? <laughs> I guess it all started when Scott Alexander posted the controversial take that the media usually doesn't lie. He wrote about it at length, and as someone who I think is a slightly savvy reader, what I believe he was doing is saying in very veiled words, hey guys, the media blatantly and aggressively lies absolutely all the time, but using different words to say it, very similarly to how how monks back in the medieval ages wrote long dissertations about how actually God doesn't exist and atheism is the only logical conclusion by writing long dissertations defending God against these accusations that he doesn't exist, right? They were supposedly on God's side, but they were presenting all the arguments about how God is bullshit and then giving the weakest of defenses so that they could just 
have the fig leaf of actually, I'm on God's side. Please don't burn me at the cross. Is your assumption here that uh, Scott is subject to persecution if he just says, hey, the media lies a lot? I would never, ever insinuate that in a place where the media could hear me do so. So Scott's post you're saying was about the media lying all the time, you know, hidden under the guise of, of course, the media doesn't lie that often. Uh, yeah. But one of these I've read somewhere because there's like, you know, it's it's less wrong. It's a wiki crawl. Oh, it was the long version on bounded distrust from Svi, I think, where he talks about the idea that, you know, even Fox News wouldn't like make up a live shooting, you know, at Yankee Stadium. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was Scott's original post on this topic. I think it was just called Bounded Distrust. But he started out with an anecdote about seeing like something on Fox News at the airport being like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened because Fox News wouldn't just make that up. Oh, I see. I'm on the post. The media very rarely lies. I should yeah, be on yeah. his Bounded original distrust. post was just called Bounded Distrust. Found it. Oh, and now I found the thing. Perfect. Okay, you see, wiki crawl. It's all a nice. This is the fun spaghetti mess that is less wrong. <laughs> this but, is why we need a podcast. But I'll tell you what Scott was doing here. And it wasn't what you said. Okay. What Scott was doing is, you know, he's reading a lot and hearing a lot of people comment about, you know, misinformation and what can we do about misinformation and noticing that the examples of the things that people give as misinformation are actually all technically true. Yeah. And he's what he's doing with this is trying to warn people that, like, you can't just ban misinformation yes. because there's no dividing line between something that's true and something that's false. Because the media, even the stuff you're complaining about, technically is all true. Yeah. What you're complaining about is that they're being misleading, but you can't ban stuff that's misleading. Wait, some stuff is reported on the news that isn't true, right? But it's rare. Very rare, in fact. I mean, wasn't there a lot of stuff about the election being a fraud? Like, I didn't follow the news that closely, but I heard some, some hubbub about someone important claiming that the 2020 election was fraudulent. And if you read the examples that he goes through, all of the things they say are technically correct. They're just said in a way to make you believe things that are lies. Yeah, it was real easy to report on how the you know 2020 election was fraudulent without telling any lies, because you could just say, Donald Trump said, blah, 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 blah. And that's true. Donald Trump did say that. And he's got cronies around him also saying that. So you can report on what they said. And you never actually have to say, oh, and, and it's true. The 2020 election was stolen. You can just say, oh, well, there's lots of people claiming it's stolen. Hmm. Seems interesting. The reason I say Scott Alexander is pointing out that the media constantly lies in his post, the media very rarely lies, is because he directly side by side compares the New York Times to Alec Jones and points out that they're doing the exact same thing. They're both telling you the truth with very, very rare lies interspersed. And I, th to me, that is basically saying, look, they're both blatantly, fragrantly lying to you. I think his point is that they're not lying to you, but they are misleading you on purpose. <laughs> Which is another word for lying. Well, right. and the, I, but that's the, that's the rub. Something being misleading is very hard to define, where something being a lie is pretty easy. Well, do we have a post that tries to tell us how we can tell apart something that is misleading from being the truth? Uh, I don't know about that, but there are some <laughs> suggestions here about how to interpret things the media say. There was the line for methods of rationality. There's a word for things that are true from a certain point of view. It's called <laughs> lies. Exactly. <laughs> but I think the reason Scott is juxtaposing Alex Jones with the New York Times is, well, because he doesn't like the New York Times very much, but also hmm. because, you know, the New York Times is an example of something most people would say tells the truth. Alex Jones is an example where, you know, most of most of our tribe would say he's lying. He's a liar. He lies a lot. And I think putting those together to say, like, look, they're doing the same thing. 
uh, sort of forces the reader to say, well, they're, they're both lying or they're both telling the truth. Exactly. Isn't yeah. there a matter of degree that I think really, really matters here? Well, yes, there is a matter of degree here. And Scott points that out, too. What the New York Times is doing, he calls it a, a venial sin, uh, but it's of the same type that Alex Jones does. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of like robbing a bank and torrenting The Last of Us are both technically stealing. It's, it's a similar behavior. You're taking something that doesn't belong to you without paying for it. But I feel like there, there's a matter of degree to which one person should be more culpable, you know, mo- morally than the other. Sure. I, I mean, just would disagree that what the New York Times is doing is sort of the equivalent of torrenting a TV show. Right. I would say it's more like stealing a car versus robbing a bank. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I didn't read the long posts, so I uh, am open to being convinced. Well, I feel like what the New York Times is doing is more like embezzling millions from a company Ooh, um, because yeah. it's a slow and steady drip of misleading content that builds up over time rather than what Alex Jones is doing, which is just kind of a fire hose of it. Wheezing into a microphone talking about these amazing supplements that you need to buy from him that will right. change your life. Like that's a that's an on its face, unapologetic, just falsehood. I think there's a difference between that and like, I don't know, exaggerating the efficacy of masks to Well, but the point uh, of this article is that that's not what Alex Jones is doing. He's mostly right. saying true things. Just like the New York Times. I'm going to pivot to these fee article precisely because unlike Scott Alexander's article where he does the medieval hiding in plain sight of the authorities thing, Zvi just comes out and says things directly, which uh, I like. Zvi goes into how to bounded distrust by boiling down all the previous things that were talked about and written about and telling us what we already know. The media very rarely lies explicitly and directly. It will, however, prove conclusions known to be false in ways that are designed to mislead and obviously in bad faith. And before anybody jumps on me for misleading and um, being in bad faith, these are two different statements that were separated by some (laughs) other text. I just cut out a lot of text in the middle for brevity's sake, and I will be doing that a few times in this episode. What you're saying are things that are technically in the post, but designed, communicated in such a way as to maybe convince the listener that it says something different than what it says. No, that's the thing. I <laughs> think when saying. I when I boiled this down, I did my best to preserve the original um, intent and message as opposed to warping it into something differently. I know. I was I was kind of messing with you. I think there are a couple of statements. I read the the short five minute post, the one how to bounded distrust. There are a couple in here we'll get to them where I'm like, ah, maybe rein that in a smidge, but we'll see uh, when we get there. So I would not rein it in, man. I'm not planning to, but we, Stephen can help rein us back. Yeah. Uh, I also, a few times, I pull things out of his much longer post on Bounded Distrust, which I sprinkle in here. Uh, in our notes, they're in italics, and I just will say them. Zvi tells us that the rules are not what they used to be. Uh, anyone who grew up in the 2000s or 2010s was reading ru- news written under different rules. There are still rules that are associated with lines of behavior, different rules that have different costs associated with breaking them. And if you know the rules, you can use this to approximate the true situation. However, the trust and epistemic commons that existed previously have been burned down. The new rules are much less about tracking physical truth and much more about tracking narrative truth. So that is what we are about to get into. Do you have any theories about why the rules changed? I think it was Trump. No, I, think I don't think the, it was Trump. I read a convincing I, well, article like five years ago that it was Newt Gingrich kind of advocating for this, like since the 90s, going to like, you know, the Republican colleges and giving talks about like how let's not play nice. Playing by the rules is for, you know, suckers and we're losing. We need to, you know, start playing dirty 
Yeah, I think uh, Newt Gingrich is responsible for a lot of the polarization. I mean, um, to be clear, I think a lot of the groundwork was laid by wokeism and the new sort of authoritarian leftists that have been rising uh, in the last decade or so. But it was Trump that really, in my opinion, pushed the mainstream to adopt their ways and made it a thing that everybody does now rather than just the extremists. I think it was the Internet. The Internet as a whole. Well, specifically, I think it was the increased competition that internet brought to media organizations. Um, oh, I think back you mean in the like day, what John Stewart did. Yeah, yeah um, we did a whole episode for listeners. That we we will link to John Stewart, the John Stewart, the consensus emancipator. Right, um, and John Stewart's a good example of a ostensibly news show that's giving their viewers what they actually want instead of informing them, mm-hmm. because people don't want to be informed. You know, they want to have their worldview reinforced. They want to hear you know, in-group cheering and out-group booing. You know, it wasn't too long ago that the New York Times looked like it was dying. It was losing subscribers. They didn't really have a model for how to make money in the new age. And the way they actually came back and, and made money is by doing exactly what we're talking about here, is picking their narrative, a narrative that their customer base desperately wanted, and sort of crafting all their stories to be in service of that narrative. Yeah. Um, so I think it was. I think it was just increased competition. They couldn't get away with just reporting the news anymore. You know, news departments in broadcast media used to be unprofitable. They were there because they had to be. It was just sort of seen as a duty of these broadcast organizations to report out the news. And these days, they don't do that anymore. You know, news is a big money maker. So they have to meet the demand where it is. And the demand is for shit like this. I think it would have been slower and gentler and not nearly to the extreme we see today if it wasn't for someone like Trump pushing it, though. I think Trump changed things on the demand side. Mm, I think when he ascended, let's say, (laughs) um, what people wanted, especially on people on the left, were article after article talking about how terrible Trump is. And what people on the right wanted was article after article talking about how Trump is, you know, oppressed by the unfair liberals whining and, and trying to take him down. But I think it just goes down to what, what the consumers actually want from their media. Media, news, and stuff, you know, all of that I think is more entertainment than it is like people staying informed, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, absolutely. This is just sort of my thing where, you know, because I'm not on Twitter and I'm not convinced by arguments that like it's, worthwhile to stay informed you know in quotes because like almost everything that is happening doesn't matter to my day-to-day things that do i will hear about anyway it's entertainment for people they're not on twitter to learn about what's going on they're on twitter to get mad or to commiserate with friends or to you know maybe more generously find something interesting and reach out to people about it let's talk about this you know but yeah it's more of like a social thing than it is a keep me in a loop kind of thing yeah and i do think twitter is a big piece of the puzzle right here Because all the journalists are on Twitter and they're all just like gossiping amongst themselves. It gets magnified how important the narrative is because it's super duper important on Twitter. Part of the story here is that the kayfabe demands that you pretend that this is news, though. Like that's part of the entertainment. You can't take it. Kayfabe. The uh, pro wrestling idea that you never break character, you always act as if it's real. Gotcha. Once you say, no, man, I know it's scripted and that these are awesome stunt shows, but it's not, they don't actually have a beef with each other, then it ruins all the fun. It's like, get the fuck out of the party then. Stop bringing us down. (laughs) Uh, you, You literally cannot admit that you know it is fake. And this is part of the news. 
which since people often treat it as it's true and change policy strongly affect other people's lives and employment based on this entertainment product, uh, there there's bad downstream effects to pretending this is real and not entertainment. Well, an important part of kayfabe, too, is that there has to be a hero and a villain. Yes, always. Um, and they can, you know, constantly be switching, but there always <laughs> yeah. has to be one of each. That's where the phrase heel turn comes from. It's a great concept, and I wish it had stayed in the ring. <laughs> well... We shouldn't have elected a uh, pro wrestling executive to the presidency. <laughs> seriously, literally did that. Hulk Hogan, twenty twenty four. I seriously would like to see Dwayne the Rock Johnson run. run. Oh, yeah. I, I think I probably candidate. would vote for him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Zvi does say that the best thing to do is just not follow the news. Like you, you don't need this shit. All the real important stuff is going to filter back to you anyway. Well, he gives three three approaches you can take. One of yes. which is to stop caring. But this article is how to separate the narrative from the few little glimmers of truth if you do want to do that sort of thing. And more importantly, just how to identify the narrative, because that's the most important thing you'll be getting out of any news article. Yeah, I so think the, it is important to to realize that most of the facts as they're reported are actually true, um, and how to actually separate those out from all the, the shit surrounding them. The boiling down, and he does in a few of these examples, where you see the actual one or two facts that might be in a news article are like, wow. The, the facts are things like sometimes bad things happen, you know, like like just the most <laughs> obvious, stupid little thing. And an entire large narrative is written around hiding those things and making an emotional effect. But uh, the first thing you see when you see an article is the headline. And there are three important things to know about headlines. First, they're not chosen by the author. Someone else writes the headline. Headlines are allowed to lie explicitly. The things in a headline do not have to have any relationship to the truth. This is not true for the rest of our article, but it is for the headline because the headline is just there to make you click. Never trust a word of the headline. Also, the headline is allowed to blatantly contradict the article's content. So just don't read headlines is what I want to say. <laughs> I will continue to read headlines because, you know, how else do you know so what the article is about? That's the thing. Is if you don't, you're randomly clicking links. It's a, an insidious problem, right? And, you know, well, I valiantly try getting people on the server to like, you know, say what, what is in the links that they're posting, but nobody wants to do that. So headlines is uh, what we got to go on. Yeah. I think the headline is the most important part, though, because it tells you the most important thing about the article, which is what the narrative will be. Even if it's a flat lie, sometimes, it does tell you what narrative you're about to read. Sometimes it does. Like you said, they're not written by the author. Mm. So sometimes the headline writer and the actual author of the piece are not <laughs> pushing the same <laughs> message. So they tell you what the official narrative is, if nothing else. Yeah, they tell you what the editor is hoping you take away from this. Cool. The body of the news article is more reliable, and the rules are fairly simple. The article, again, has a narrative, and that narrative is likely revealed by the headline, but as we just discussed, not in 100% of the cases. But most important thing to know, article has a narrative. It is not allowed to lie in a way that could be counted as being physically falsified. So can't say direct, physically provable, false things. It is not allowed to assert facts without reliable sources. It is allowed to do almost anything else. And you would think that with those first two caveats, you got to use sources and you can't do direct, physically falsifiable lies. You could maybe trust something. But he goes through a long list of things that articles can do and often do do. Uh, and these include things like call anyone an expert. Consensus means three people. Some investors can mean as few as two, and <laughs> being surrounded by can mean as few as two people standing by you. 
taking, you know, randos on Twitter. And there's two of those supporting everything. Literally everything. Wall Street bets. Yeah, right? (laughs) They are allowed to withhold or not seek relevant information, selectively quote, frame, insinuate, imply, condemn via association, misconstrue. And this includes calling true things lies or misinformation if they imply disliked things. We could spend hours just talking about all these various things and how often they happen. The most revelatory one recently for me of withholding information was about a month ago, we discussed on The Mind Killer, the riots in, was it Brazil, Venezuela, where the election was contested and the supporters of the person who lost rioted in the Capitol and entered the Capitol building, very much like what happened in the United States after Trump lost. Uh, However, none of the articles used the word coup which struck me as very odd, and I didn't look further into it, but I just, I noted that that weird, why aren't they calling it a coup? It was a coup before, they're using the word right now, it's so weird. Found out a week later through a friend looking into the matter that Congress was in recess, there was nobody in the Capitol that day, they were rampaging through an empty building, which is why they had to use the word riot rather than coup, because you can't coup if you aren't threatening any government officials. But the fact that they withheld that um, the Capitol building was empty, no one was there, and just made heavy references to our January 6th and our um, insurrection attempt, I kind of got red-pilled there that like, oh, they will literally do anything to make you think the wrong thing, like leave out very important information like the Capitol is empty. And the only clue I had to that was that they used the word riot instead of coup because they were forced to use the word riot rather than coup. They would have said coup probably if there was even one government official somewhere there. And one of these suggestions is to pay really close attention to word choices like that. Hmm. Um, But I bet, I bet if you go back and look at those articles, it does say in there somewhere that the government buildings were empty, but it's buried down in like paragraph 30 with like an offhand comment and is meant for you to just skip over it. I mean, my friend must have found that information somewhere. So mm-hmm. at some point, someone reported on that. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm saying I bet it was in most articles, just very like inconspicuous. I would um, bet it's not in most of them. All right. Quick, someone check all of the articles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting how they can frame things to make things look however they want. I remember after the guy plowed through a parade in Waukesha. Very quickly after, it was discovered that it was a black dude driving an SUV, and he literally did it because they were white paraders. My favorite example was this, of this was a car plows into parade killing seven, as if the car like had driven itself. You wouldn't notice it unless you were looking for the fact that they're trying to hide a person was behind this. It's a good old passive voice. I was thinking with like the, the riot had, you know, news as well. It could say, you know, um, no government officials were harmed you know, during the riot or something, which yeah. makes it sound like they were in danger, right? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Word choice is uh, slippery, right? In the time takedown of a certain community recently, one of the things that uh, they quoted someone else saying was that uh, this man crawled into my bed without my consent. And I noticed that they conspicuously failed to mention uh, whether she was in the bed or not. And since they were living together, I am 98% sure she was out for the night and he crashed in her bed for whatever reason. Maybe he was fighting with, with his partner. And later on, they have a beef and she quotes the article, yeah, he crawled into my bed without my consent to imply that while she was sleeping, he went in there 
rather than while the bed was empty. Who the hell are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, I mean, about? all of these strategies are on full display whenever the media decides to do like a hit piece yeah. on, on somebody or something. Yeah, what, what, um, what was that all reference to? You made it sound like this was something that people would be aware of. So the Time article is a hit piece on EAs in specific, but since they don't name names, I don't even know if this is an EA person or just like a friend of someone in the EA community that they're using for guilt of by association things, right? Yeah, Time did this whole article about how EA, effective altruism, has a sexual harassment problem. <laughs> um, and all of their examples were like weirdly anonymous based on statements of largely anonymous people even the the statements that they had didn't really say what happened it was more like um you know i felt uncomfortable or like right. talking about their sort of interpretations of things but not actually giving the factual circumstances of what happened it's another reason because, i don't like the news like yeah. a lot of very what a weird a very what a weird angle things. like of all the things to go after you know ea is is unpopular now because of See, that's the cool thing about not being on the internet. I mean, I'm like not being on media consumption parts of the internet. So I had no idea that was the case. Oh, Many yeah. people didn't like SBF, but I mainly knew that because of Inyash. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, ever since then, people have been like, "Oh, this effective altruism—that's an SBF thing, and that's bad." Well, good luck, nerds. We're, we'll keep saving the world while you guys, you know, bitch about it. Look at all those uh, lives they're saving. Can you believe it? Can you believe what it? What shitlords? disgusting do you know they live in group houses and sometimes have sex and that they, that they use sex? this that they use this that they use their savings on their their rent to donate to effective charities and save lives disgusting do you know, do you know they use their penises to have sex <laughs> that's just awful so ayla wrote an article addressing that which is a lot more about her personal experience uh, mm-hmm. but the the headline which she wrote and does reflect what's in the article is people will sometimes just lie about you yeah and she goes through about how like even with her small level of fame that she has people just make shit up and she gives you know some some examples of that happening i thought her piece was brilliant because you know i've also had stuff made up about me and was really blown away and her whole thing is like you don't understand this until it happens to you it's so hard to even understand and internalize that sometimes people just lie but they will as whenever whenever there's an actual motivation to do it you know most people won't but some people will and they'll just make stuff up and then if you're a news organization who wants to report out on this thing you can just report what they said that was pointed out in at the top of these articles like the principal way that media organizations will mislead you is they just find somebody just who says the thing that they want to report and quotes them saying it. They're reporting on what the other person said, not doing any original reporting here. This was a, a big point. John Oliver did um, last week with John Oliver or something. Last week tonight. Yeah. And it was on uh, news statements specifically about police interactions. Officials at the police precinct say, or officers report, all of those slippery words. It's exactly kind of this, this point. It's like, yeah, sure, yeah. that's all technically true. A cop said this. But you make it sound like it's it's a settled matter, and it's not. Uh, right. And if a liberal outlet's reporting it, they'll probably fact check what the cops said. And if a you know a more right leaning organization is reporting it, they won't. They'll just say this is what the cops said. Oh boy. So one thing that confused me about Zvi's article is he says one of the rules is that the body of an article won't assert facts without reliable sources. 
which confused me because then he goes on to explain how their sources don't need to be reliable. Yeah, I'm not sure why he used the word reliable in there, because one of the things yeah, I pulled out was that he says that they can and will find an expert, in quotes, to support anything they want. Right. So I, I think what he's saying there is he's still talking about the things that could be physically falsified, so they won't assert things like that without reliable sources, and they'll actually fact check those. But that's just sort of part and parcel of the previous one that they won't report out lies that could be physically falsified. But... That's not even true, because that's what the Time article does. And that's what news organizations do all the time. They just report out what a person is saying about something. I guess that's not them reporting a fact. But they're they're still reporting on a thing that supposedly happened without reliable sources. The reason that like I think we're circling on this point is because this isn't how normal people communicate with each other when they're just communicating, right? Right. If I'm telling you, we're, we're coordinating you know, to get together for lunch. Well, Enoch said, let's meet at this place at noon. There's no second layer to read into about like, okay, well, hold on. Why did he you know, use those words? And you know, do I need to interpret this or that? It's like, no, it's just, this is the average style of trying just to get information across. Right. I In think, normal I think conversations, you can normally just mostly trust that what a person's saying to you is they're not trying to push a certain narrative at you. Right. If you're reading a, a news article, it can be written in such a way that like it communicates just like your friends talk to you, but with some carefully different words where in cases where they're trying to be sneaky with their agendas or something. I guess I'm just saying, you know, you're typically not on guard for that. Although, unless unless you're boundedly distrusting. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> people I think people should be on guard with that, with their uh, maybe not their close friends, but certainly with their less close friends and acquaintances, um, because I think people in general just lie all the time about everything. If somebody's describing like a problem they're having, they're ranting about, well, my husband sucks or whatever, mm-hmm. right? You know you're getting one side of it. Even if just that one side paints a pretty damning picture, it's like hard to imagine what the other side could look like to paint a, an equally good picture on the other side or something. There's a difference. Like, you know, when your friend is just kind of ranting versus like wanting help with something. If they want help, they're pretty well incentivized to like actually be honest with you about it. When people are talking with each other, they are trying to say coherent things. And so they're going to draw conclusions that seem to follow correctly from what they're saying. Whereas the media will draw conclusions in ways that defy logic and would be obvious errors to anyone with ordinary skill in the art. And this is allowed. It is not considered a breaking of any of rules. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to Stephen's point where normally when you're talking to somebody, you know, it's a conversation. Yeah. People aren't lecturing you at you for 25 paragraphs most of the mm-hmm. time. Normally, if you hear a word that's confusing or you're not exactly sure what someone's saying, you can ask. You can say like, oh, what do you mean by that? What actually happened there? Or something like that. And and in a, a news article, you can't do that. So there is this like very strong ability to craft the language to send a message that the writer intends. It's so weird that it used to be part of journalistic ethics to not do that, to like to literally actually look at your work afterwards and say, am I sure that I am not making errors and misrepresenting things? And now that is, I mean, the opposite is the case. You look over to make sure that you are <laughs> crafting a narrative and that if you have to torture things, that's fine. Yeah. And I think that's because of what I said before. That's what their audience wants. Their audience will be very upset if they put out an article that is narratively incongruous with the worldview worldview being demanded. It is important to remember that a reporter is allowed to lie to get a story, same way a cop can lie during an investigation, and both do so often. So 
I know it's probably very tempting to talk to a reporter if someone like calls to contact you about a story. You're like, oh, neat. Somebody wants my opinion, but they can and will lie to get any sort of soundbite from you that they can twist in any way. As much as people say never talk to cops, I think you might want to talk to cops slightly more than you talk to reporters, <laughs> which is to say, don't ever, ever talk to reporters. Uh, is there is some protection thing, about though? slander, though, or I guess libel? No, not for reporters. As long as they do not say you literally said words that you are on tape having not said. I mean, that's like saying Joe Biden said sexual assault is awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. he definitely said those words, probably not in that order, you know? (laughs) But if I were to say he said that, I'm lying. I've literally seen people take quotes like, if I was an idiot, I would say sexual assault is awesome and cut them down to just sexual assault is awesome and quote that in an article. Okay, well... Point received then. One funny thing about reporters, though, is that the one thing they will never lie about is whether a conversation is on or off the record. That is still weird. I know. And it's this, this like ironclad rule in journalism. And I'm like, why? I mean, you you know, we're going to get into the the idea of the one time shortly here, but you know, at some point, someone's going to cash in that one time and then that won't be a rule anymore. I mean, people have done it before, but all the, the entire industry comes down on them. They're like, what an asshole. Like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah, I, I don't know how much long it's going to mm. last. Mm. But I don't think it'll come crashing down either because, no. you know, people will just figure out which which reporters they can talk to and which ones they can't. Maybe it's so that reporters can still talk to each other about things. So they need to keep that rule. No, I think it's no, it's an access thing. Mm, saying, well, if, okay. we didn't, if we didn't allow this, people just wouldn't say anything. So it's important that we can get people, that we can give people anonymity to talk to us off the record. So at least then we know what's going on, even if we can't report it exactly as we heard it. That's a very good point. You're saying that there would be major consequences to breaking that on off the record rule thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason any confidentiality rule exists. Yeah. Like it's because we want people to speak freely and not worry about it getting used against them. The reason I bring up the consequences thing is because at the bottom of this list, uh, one of the most important things I think that Zvi mentions is that journalists won't face consequences for breaking these rules if everyone else is also breaking them to the same degree in similar spots. And importantly, sometimes even when it would be a big deal and you'd face major consequences in breaking these rules, when the stakes are so high that the consequences could be seen as worth paying for either the reporter or the outlet, they might do that which can be called using the one time. So you must be extra careful. Yeah, and I've seen this happen where like one news organization will report something that's just wrong. And then all the other news organizations will be like, oh, well, um, CNN reported and the story is just everywhere. That's again, that's the internet because scoops come in like getting your story out 30 seconds before the other guy. Yeah. So they do as little fact checking as possible. Um, and the focus is all on you know being the first to publish that explains also why everyone else picks up on it because then you know if a big story is out there you don't want to mm. not have it on your page you know because then right. people have to go to a competitor to read it you so don't want to spend the six hours to take to fact check that because by that time all the clicks have gone through to your oh yeah competitor. everyone's everyone's already heard about it by now and it's bored i feel like the cdc cashed in there one time with covid and it was not worth it like no one trusts the cdc anymore because they felt they had to lie and they didn't get shit for the, their lies. Well, I think the, right? re- the lesson from COVID is the CDC has been lying this whole time. It's just nobody really listened to the CDC until COVID. 
Yeah, but if if no one really listens to you, then you're not cashing in your one time because they still think you have credibility. It's when you blatantly and openly do it in a way that matters that it's cashing it in. I, I should talk about the one time real quick. He talks about it in the longer post. Zvi says the one time is the high leverage moment. It will give away your secret strategy, show your opponent their weakness, blow your credibility, use all your money, get you fired, wreck the house, or cash in that big favor. It's a really big thing. The rules will adjust and it won't work again. But maybe that's acceptable. Worth it. Then do what you have to do. That's one way of thinking about the price one has to pay for breaking some of these rules. Would this be a slight annoyance or would you be cashing in your one time? The fact that everyone was listening to the CDC and it was an important high leverage moment is what made it their one time. And it was absolutely not worth it because now we don't have a CDC we can trust for anything. I guess. I just I just wouldn't characterize that as them cashing it in. I feel like they've been trying to do this the whole time. Okay. It's just no one was listening and this was the only time they were listening. It's more like they were running around writing bad checks and this was the first time anyone actually tried to cash one. <laughs> God, that's as before they were all like, I'm not cashing this. This We know there's no money in that account. I despair for my government. I mean, I think that's good. We should not listen to organizations like the CDC. I mean, obviously we shouldn't, but I think it would be better if if we could have listened to them because they were trustworthy. Yeah, I'm with Inyash on that. It would be nice to have a safe, authoritative source so that I don't have to become an expert on virology to know what to do in the event of Desir's flu, right? I would like to have a trusted source. I would not want it to be the government because I think that's just too tempting. Like I much prefer the equilibrium where nobody trusts what the government says <laughs> than the equilibrium where the government, you know, mostly tells the truth, but then does cash in there one time uh, in a high leverage moment. Yeah, yeah. no, no that, I, that's a that's a compelling point. Yeah, I would much rather everyone knows just like, okay, well, the government says a lot of stuff and we know it's not true. So let's not listen to them. It would certainly probably keep people from giving too much power to the government, which would ultimately be a good thing. Right. Because you don't give tons of power to things you don't trust. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, COVID would have gone a lot better if nobody listened to the CDC. Yeah. Well, hopefully the next one we won't. Zvi says that once you realize articles are sculpted to be maximally supportive of narrative, uh, it then becomes possible to read them in a way that a Soviet would read Pravda. Every word is present for a reason. A stronger version with less qualifications or weasel words would have been against the rules. So when you're reading something, you are reading literally the strongest narrative they could possibly have crafted. And if it seems kind of not all that strong, that's huge information. One of the things that he talked about in the Trump stolen election thing is that there are tons of people looking for fraud and someone somewhere would have found it and reported it and blasted everywhere. So the fact that the best that they have is surely there's some fraud somewhere, we'll find it, is huge evidence that there's no fraud at all because it would have been found. And simply saying there is fraud, here it is, would be a direct lie and so would have been against the rules. Yeah. And it's the same thing with that Time article. I read that. It's clearly a hit piece. They're clearly bringing out everything they've got. So it's pretty conclusive that like they- They got nothing. Right. There's nothing worse than this. Like, I I wouldn't say they've got nothing. There were a few things in there that were like, okay, that's not good. It's probably something every sort of social movement has. But there's nothing worse than that. At least nothing that is able to be found with some basic reporting. Right. But I'm going to back up a little bit. and I want to be clear. Nobody has to do any of this. 
One of the things that Zvi gets into before he gets into his suggestions for how to read the news is like, you don't have to read the news. First of all, you can stop caring about the news. Um, That's the because, path I chose. Right. Because it really it doesn't affect your life that much. That's not the path you chose, Stephen. The path you chose was V's other suggestion, which was to outsource all of this to somebody else. This yeah. is what I did with COVID. I outsourced everything to Z. Because <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I'm reading this. He's actually engaging in like reasoning under uncertainty and seems to be actually trying to figure out what's going on and looking at numbers and stuff and trying to draw conclusions from that that makes sense, which nobody else is doing. Um, so, and also, he's just reading tons and tons of stuff about this, way more than I'm willing to read. I guess I'm doing a hybrid thing because I'm not like I'm not outsourcing my information intake on like a particular subject that I'm curious about or that I want to know more about. Right. I just basically listened to an hour change of you guys sharing whatever you guys thought was fun that week. Not because like I'm trying to keep up on the news of whatever the thing is. Like, so you followed V for COVID news. Mm-hmm. I'm not following you guys for any particular news, just for like the fun of, you know, whatever you guys found interesting that fortnight. All right. That's fair. We are very entertaining. Exactly. Absolutely. But one of the, but one of the things I do try to do with the Mindkiller podcast is to be a potential source for that kind of outsourcing. As a listener, the only thing is that because I don't necessarily know what you guys are talking about, if you guys were the COVID news podcast, then I would know, oh, okay, I can go to the mind killer for COVID news. <laughs> we try to be all the news. We air once every two weeks. Podcast is usually between an hour and an hour and a half. I think that that is the amount of news a person needs to be like informed about what's going on in the world. And to be clear, not even all of that is news that is required to be informed about what's going on in the world. Some of the news oh, yeah. is just stuff to remind you that the world is actually a good place for most of the time. Oh, yeah. And I at the say... bottom, we lofiate about our own bullshit. Yeah, I would say a good half of the podcast is not not necessary <laughs> to actually be well informed. But um, it's, it's necessary just stuff we throw in there to make it fun. Exactly. Uh, but I do, I do try to cover everything that I think is important for people to know. There's just not very much of that. Yeah. You know? I do think it's necessary for people to get some good news every time because having a constant framing of everything terrible is an inaccurate framing of the world. Yeah. And some, yeah, some balance is, I think, legit vital in order to keep a true perspective of the world around you. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just not, I think our happy news sections were looser uh, about what, what is newsworthy. Yes. It's not like, oh, I think, you know, people really need to know about this. It's no, I think people need to hear some good news. Um, whereas the other stuff, you know, that's stuff that um, either is is stuff that we think is newsworthy or that we think is just fun and that people will like. Yes, yeah, that comes through. And mostly that's, that we like. That's how I interpret it anyway. That's one data yeah. point. But I do think someone could be fine and be fully well informed about the world if all they did was listen to our podcast. At least that's the goal. And there's a lot of stuff that I like intentionally don't cover because I think it's dumb and no one should care. <laughs> That's fair. That is a good um, editorial decision. And like, but it's, you know, some stuff is like that, that every other news source in the world has wall to wall coverage for three days. And I'm mm. just like, we're not going to talk about that. That's dumb. I think we didn't cover the state of the union at all. Because who gives a shit? Yeah. Who cares? It's a dumb speech. It's a ritual in the civic religion that doesn't have any substance beyond the ritualness. So the last thing I'm going to pull out of this particular article, drawing vague, flimsy associations between the target and bad people, tells you this was the best they could do. So the choice to write the article or say anything at all is also a choice. Ask why. 
which again hammers home the point. This is all about narrative. Never forget that. Ask why this article is being written. What is the narrative purpose? You know, he says to pay attention to specific word choice. Uh, he says, especially look for weasel words. Mm-hmm. Look for them them to say no evidence because that's never true. That's just them making a arbitrary decision about what counts as evidence and what doesn't. And also look for suspiciously specific denials, <laughs> which I think is fun. Like if they're saying like, and this didn't happen, you're like, um, okay, but what would make someone think that happened? Yeah. I don't my, see that in your article. So there's like something there usually. My I'm not a human trafficker has a lot of people asking questions about what, what my shirt is already <laughs> saying. Right. And I think the best <laughs> example of this is how everyone, um, you know, during the summer of 2020 it was like mostly peaceful protests i see you like that's a suspiciously specific denial to me <laughs> they're like no violence here there's no violence i'm like oh uh i read that and i think there's probably violence also sometimes it's used as a way to make people think things we couldn't find proof that children were molested at this high school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely is like i think that's most high schools but if you're saying that in your article it's probably because you want people to think bad creepy things are happening at this high school why would you even say that unless you're trying to make people think this is a place where molestation is a higher than average risk yes this is my friend eniash brodsky who i've never heard anyone suggest he's a child molester exactly who no one's ever been able to prove is a child molester (laughs) god damn it so true (laughs) 100 true claim yeah you know maybe i'm naive about the state of civilization because i'm only vaguely connected but that level of sleight of hand that's not something that happens in the news with any reputational source is it do you mean news sources like the new york times i mean specifically something to the extent of like if they hate ea you know no one's ever been able to prove that you know will mccaskill never raped a child it's uh it's not quite as like bang you over the head but they do it in a subtler way uh, yes, you, they don't want you to notice, but they do do that. Yeah, yeah, I guess right. People would notice if it was that heavy of an anvil. So one of the other things that V says, if you do want to read the news and you want to read it critically, you have to look for the original source in an mm-hmm. article, because like we were talking about earlier, a lot of news organizations will just report on what other news organizations reported, and it just kind of goes around in a circle. Um, and, and if you want to know what the actual truth of the matter is, you got to find who were they quoting? Like, where did that come from? Who said that? Do I trust that source? I mean, very quickly, everybody knows that Joe Biden is a pedophile or that J.K. Rowling is a turf or something. And it's all happened from quoting other sources who quoted other sources. And no, there's no actual proof to any of it. It's just a thing everybody knows now because it's been the narrative for long enough. I think the biggest thing to take away from this is to remember that everything is in service of the narrative Mm -hmm. that news organizations no longer have hardly any have as their mission to inform people in an even-handed and good faith way mostly because of what i was saying earlier because you can't survive in a competitive environment like that we can do it at the mind killer because we don't make any money we're not really (laughs) beholden to anybody we don't need advertisers we don't we have some subscribers and we love them they're our favorite people in the world Um, but they're not you know they're not telling us what stories to cover unless you know we're generally conflicted and then we ask 
I want to give a word of caution, sort of, because we're talking about all this and might encourage people to read the news more because now they have these tools. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <And> God, no. <laughs> this, this next part is taken from Zvi's longer article, uh, which we didn't dive into. But in that longer one, he says that there's genuine issues with trying to read the news. For example, when one is reading casually or quickly, it's a lot easier to do a non-literal reading that will effectively lie to you. I think most news organizations know that most people aren't doing deep dives, looking through every sentence, trying to see how it could have been mis- misrepresented to them. They're just reading qu- quickly as they're having their morning coffee or something. And you very easily can take away an impression like there's a lot of things where I don't know the direct reason I distrust a certain organization. I'm like, I'm sure they did something to me in the past, but a lot of it is, it's just, it's emotional information. I have bad feelings about this organization and I'm not going to do business with them. That's mainly what they're trying to do. They don't need you to know any specific details about anything, which is why they don't give any and it works. Yeah. That's what I was getting at earlier too. When I was talking about how, like, I bet that thing about, the uh you know the state houses and everything being empty is probably in the article it's because they're written in a way that sort of presupposes you're not reading and scrutinizing every word that they're expecting you to kind of skim especially when you get toward the back half of the article Um, and they put all the information that they they feel like should be in there but doesn't really serve the narrative very well they just kind of bury it three quarters of the way through this narrative news science has been refined over at least two decades now, and it's gotten pretty good at what it does. Zvi points out that like disbelieving these intended insinuations requires effort. It is work, and if you aren't going to be like actually doing that work, maybe consider coming in with a prior of all of this is likely bullshit. Also, this is not in any of these articles, but this is one of my suggestions too. Almost every news article now starts off with an anecdote oh, God, um, I hate that. and i suggest just skipping that whole thing mm-hmm. just scroll down until they're you don't see that person's name anymore because it's mm-hmm. never useful it's just there to frame the narrative just like looking up a recipe you just scroll down until they start talking about the food yeah yeah now that's for uh search engine optimization reasons but the uh news articles they're there for like narrative sculpting i find all this quite depressing yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's nice to be armed. I guess that kind of raises the question, is there a point where you stop, not stop, where you can relax your paranoia? Because like one's kind of tempted to ask, like, why is V making so many, writing so many articles about distrusting the news? He's citing lots of examples of, in you know, Alexander Wales did too, you know, about the, the New York Times being like Alex Jones. Why would he say that? You know, what, what's his agenda? What's his narrative? Well, why is he trying v to convince does people? this because he reports the news. And he tries seemingly, I believe this, he tries really hard to report what's accurate. And it's really hard. Um, and he's, I think he writes these things to let people know how hard it really is to get to the accuracy of what actually happened. And there's probably some understandable frustration about like, look, I put in a ton of fucking work to do this and everyone yeah. else is just bullshitting. Yeah. yeah. I also think that probably the the reason for wanting to talk about this can be boiled down to the five words we live in a society <laughs> like humans have to interact with other humans a lot and there's a lot of power in being able to get the mass of society hating you uh and it's done for various political purposes it's bad and it's good to know that uh you're being manipulated for other people's political purposes and to push back against that 
Yeah, I suppose yeah. that's fair. And, you know, I, I know that Zvi does have a Patreon or whatever, but I don't think that it doesn't strike me that he's writing these things and shitting on the rest of the news. So you only come to him because he wants your money. I think if that's what he's doing, he's doing a terrible job of it. Why is that? <laughs> because you can make way more him. money pushing a narrative. I mean, but the thing is, everyone's doing that. Maybe he's appealing to the niche audience who, who wants to be over that part. It does make us poorer as a society, too, because as he points out in his longer post, we no longer have a thing called scientific misconduct, or at least not one that we can use to identify sources that we can't trust, because now it can refer just to things that are politically unpopular. Scientists have been charged for scientific misconduct for saying true but unpopular things. Now, if someone says this person is accused of scientific misconduct, you have to actually say, okay, that doesn't mean shit. I need to go and investigate and do a lot of homework to see if actually they're a legit good researcher or if they're being reputationally assassinated here, right? There's no longer a useful term like scientific misconduct that we can use to short circuit that amount of work. Yeah, I notice that you're engaging in your favorite vice. Uh-oh. Which is pretending My that things- My pants are still on. <laughs> which is pretending that things used to be better. I promise you they did not. Oh, but but I was a child then and everything was great. <laughs> uh, the news especially was very bad ever since the news has been a thing. It used to be that there were very few news organizations and they would all just collude to yeah. hide things. Franklin Delano Roosevelt successfully hid the fact that he couldn't walk yeah. from the public. And the reporters all knew. Yeah. They just decided that it was in the public's best interest not to know about that. Matt Iglesias actually just this week published a, an article about this, which was I thought was pretty good, where he explains how like the news has always been terrible. Even back in like the baby internet days, you were there for the Iraq war, right? Yes. <laughs> like that was just the mainstream media, which was a you know, just a handful of organizations at that point. Basically, all just deciding that it would be unpatriotic to be skeptical about the claims the government was making and just reporting out what they said and, and acting as cheerleaders for the war. There was never any like time where news was good. And I think it's better now because you can actually do this because there's so many news sources out there that you can consume a variety of them. Look at what the common nucleus of fact is among the people with opposite ideological leanings and sort of suss out what the truth is, or at least make a, a, a good guess. Whereas in the past, I don't think you could really do that. You just, the media line, that was the line. That's all you were told. And you never really got the other side of it. And there was nowhere to go to look for it um, unless you were willing to put in a lot of work. Yeah, there was you know? no research that you could realistically do if that wasn't your full-time job you know like you could go to the library and find other newspapers or something but if they're all saying the same thing it, i hear the point you're making and all of our parents grew up watching news about the satanic panic although they probably yeah. didn't call it that at the time you ask them and the kids were being killed and eaten and sacrificed for satan every weekend right yeah um, yeah so i i picked out a couple examples from just recently the first one's very recent. Um, did you guys know Fox News is uh, being sued for their election coverage by the um, the voting machine makers? Didn't we report on that? Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the interesting things, and we'll probably cover this in the Mind Killer too, because I think it's interesting. Just this week, they released a bunch of Fox News hosts' texts 
that they got in discovery in that case, which shows that they all knew the entire thing was bullshit. They thought these people were just as crazy as the rest of us. And Tucker's there basically telling people to like, anytime anyone goes off message being like, Hey, shut the fuck up. You're hurting the company. There's one tweet from him where he's like, make this woman shut up about how like she's casting doubt on the uh, stolen election narrative. The stock price is currently going down. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Which I think is just a very clear example of Fox News being all about the narrative. Like it's undeniable. Mm -hmm. They wanted to push the narrative. The election was stolen because that's what their audience wanted to hear. Anytime somebody went off message, they get slapped back in in place. Um, They had no qualms about actually reporting the truth. Like that was kind of an afterthought. Yeah, they knew it was false, but they could make this narrative within enough plausible deniability and sell it to their audience. But, you know, lest we liberals feel too smug about ourselves, the New York Times does the same thing. And Matt Iglesias and Kelsey Piper both tweeted out a little while ago that the New York Times, um, several years ago, just decided to make an editorial decision to cover the tech industry negatively. Right. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And you see that in their coverage. Yeah, here's what Iglesias said. He said, instead of covering the industry with a business lens or a consumer lens, they started covering it with a very tough investigative lens, highly oppositional at all times and occasionally unfair, almost never curious about technology or in awe of progress and potential. This was a deliberate top-down decision. They decided tech was a major power center that needed scrutiny and needed to be taken down a peg. And this style of coverage became very widespread and prominent in the industry. Kelsey Piper responded to that saying that she heard directly from New York Times reporters that there was a top-down decision that tech could not be covered positively, even when there was a true newsworthy and positive story. I'd never heard anything like it. You mean like Moderna makes a COVID vaccine? That sounds like positive tech news. Although I guess if you squint, that's positive health news. Yeah, it's kind of a blurry line about what's tech and what isn't. But anything in Silicon Valley is definitely tech. Yeah, I was going to say it's not Silicon Valley tech. Yeah. yeah, and who was president when the vaccine was released? That was Trump. It was delayed until after the election. But he was still president. Okay, technically, you're right. But it <laughs> was pushed back until after the election. Yeah. You think that there was a deliberate effort to push it back? Or do you think that there it was is, just, do you think it was just ordinary run of the mill FDA foot dragging? I linked to this and I don't remember where it was. But yes, there's, um, I guess I could dig it up if I want to do more work. Uh, we'll just take is, your word for it. Why would, you, why would we need to have you verify anything? We just trust you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, there's documented evidence that it was delayed by about a week because it was going to be uh, released just before the election. And they're like, you know, we can, uh, we can run a few more tests. We got to run a few more tests on this. They didn't want it to be a positive November surprise or whatever. Exactly. I don't you know. remember that, but I wouldn't consider that extraordinary if the FDA was like, oh, well, we don't want to do anything that could affect the election. You know, because the, um, the election is totally within the purview of the Food and Drug Administration. Sure. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, food, the FDA has just such misaligned incentives that mm-hmm. I feel like if that's if that's what they were delaying for, like, that's probably better than the reasons I was assuming that they were delaying for. Like, because they were too nervous about the the efficacy? They just don't give a shit and are incompetent and, like, don't want to move their regularly scheduled meetings. They did all those things, too. When it looked like it was about to come out just before the election, they they pushed it back one more week. Hmm. I'm skeptical that that actually happened, but not that skeptical. Oh, fine. I'll dig up the links. All right. He has to do homework and show his work. (laughs) Damn you all. (laughs) 
Uh, I think if there was ironclad evidence, I would have heard more about it because the right wing media would never shut up about it. It is circumstantial. If the people who are ideologically committed to a certain point of view aren't reporting something that reinforces their view, probably because there's something wrong with it. All right. This is why I don't get all exercised about the Hunter Biden laptop. Fox News passed on it. A bunch of right wing outlets passed on it because it looked like like it was crazy. Like, who's going to trust Rudy Giuliani? (laughs) Uh, running around saying like oh yeah i got this laptop that's hunter biden's he left it in a computer repair shop like that's that sounds crazy sounds like bullshit right it sounds like bullshit especially coming from rudy giuliani and a bunch of right-wing outlets passed on it so i'm not like i will never get mad at the left-wing outlets for not reporting on that all i remember hearing about this laptop was the president's kid had some nudes or whatever on his laptop there was like one email where he like kind of said something that maybe you could interpret that Joe Biden was going to visit that oil company that he was on the board of. Oh, like I can get you, you know, FaceTime with my dad or something. Yeah. I mean, Which he didn't actually say it's like you could maybe kind of interpret something. That I guess all, all I remember hearing about was that, that was like, there was some there was some pushback from 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 some sources about, you know, suppression and whatnot, because Twitter was removing tweets and links to stuff. And it oh, was yeah, like that specifically was, that was bullshit. But and all they did was weren't those, was those specifically in terms of service for like, look, these they're, these are leaked nudes of somebody who didn't want them leaked. Well, that's not why they did it, though. They, no, no. They were censoring the story. I at least heard that they had done that to specifically repositories of you want to see the president's son stick like. Yeah, that is that is lies. You can censor the actual dick while still having the picture. Like, remember when um, Anthony Weiner had his wiener everywhere? But you like, didn't Twitter, see the actual wiener, but they still showed you the pictures. Yeah, there's a big difference between saying, like, um, for Twitter saying, well, you can't post pictures of Hunter Biden's dick. And you can't post a news article that talks about this laptop that yeah. contains pictures of Hunter Biden's dick, even if his dick isn't mentioned in the article, which is actually what happened. I'll just take your word for it. Do it. <laughs> I've out, uh, outsourced my thinking on, on the stuff to you guys. So don't lead me astray here. Going to try very hard not to. <laughs> We're going to try at least somewhat hard not to. <laughs> try a little. Yes, exactly. Trying hard sounds We're hard. certainly not going to try intentionally and hard to mislead you, unlike most of <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say that makes us better than 90% of sources. Did either of you see the follow-up, follow-on post by Zach Davis, Conflict Theory of Bounded Distrust? I did not. Nope. He makes... An interesting point that a lot of people who think they're savvy are reading the news and say that, look, you people that say the media is constantly lying and stuff, you're just not savvy news readers. You're making a mistake. They aren't like out there trying to suppress you. Whereas uh, the people who read these things and can see the lies are saying, no, you are, you're basically making an aggressive act against us. And he, he goes into why this is. I think the most interesting thing that he pulled out or that I pulled out of the article was this paragraph where he says, when a government denies tax increases, but announces revenue enhancements, uh, which in the context of the post, they're just tax increases, but a unsavvy reader might not know that. Whereas anyone who is following along and knows these rules like we do knows that those are tax increases. When a government denies tax increases, but announces revenue enhancement and supporters of the regime effortlessly know what they mean, while dissidents consider it a lie. It's not that the regime supporters are just savvier. The dissidents can probably figure it out, too. Rather, regime supporters and dissidents are trying to do different things. 
Dissidents want to create common knowledge of the regime's shortcomings. In order to organize revolt, it's not enough for everyone to hate the government. Everyone has to know that everyone else hates the government in order to confidently act in unison rather than fear being crushed as an individual. The regime's proclamations are optimized to communicate to its supporters in a way that doesn't give moral support to the dissident cause, because the dissident's objectives require common knowledge, not just savvy individual knowledge, and common knowledge requires obfuscated language. So I guess, is it better to try to make everybody savvy, or is that just an impossible fool's task and we should try to demand less obfuscated language, or is that impossible too? Like, is there... Is there anything to do about this or can we just read this and cry? Why not both? You know, we should be convincing people to stop reading the news. I want to say that there's something, something that one can effectively do to raise the sanity waterline of the general public. You can do that at the same time as saying, you know, look, this is all bullshit. But where are you left when all you can tell to everybody? And I mean, I do say this sometimes to people and I know friends who jumped on this train way before me is that the news is all lies. You can't trust any of it. Like it. That feels like it leads to, huh, I guess the U.S. just shot down UFOs. The aliens are here kind of thinking. But then I mean, they, they're they hearing that somewhere. They're obviously not distrusting everything. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is like, and I, I think, I and I guess I still don't know what a definition of bounded distrust is. Maybe we should get that because maybe that's what the answer is here. Like, there's a difference between saying it's all bullshit. Like, all right. So, you know, the, um, the CDC flip-flopped on efficacy of masks when it was convenient, right? Uh, when they say washing your hands helps prevent the spread of germs, that's actually true. It's not but all you, bullshit. I agree. But part of the problem is once you tell people don't read the news, it's all bullshit. How do they know that washing your hands stops spread disease isn't bullshit as well? Well, so you don't tell them that. You tell them uh, when you read the news, maybe be wary of bullshit. Well, I think we're back to these three different uh, options. W- one of which is, yes, become a savvier consumer of news. Um, but the other two are, you know, just stop paying attention to the news. And the other one is outsource that to someone you do trust. I feel competent to read the news in certain regards. And in other things, uh, I don't. Like, you know, any kind of medical stuff or any kind of, you know, advanced tech stuff or energy or anything. You know, I don't really know what, what any of this means. I could probably sort out, you know, the factual claims being made if I read an article, but then I don't know what the implications of that are. So I generally outsource that to people who I think know better than me. I don't think it's in everyone's best interest to become a savvy news consumer because in my lifetime, really COVID was the first time anything happening in the news really like intervened in my life in a direct way. But that's what was so shocking about it to me. But, you know, those things are few and far between. Most people can just live their lives and be perfectly fine without knowing what's going on in the news. I think there's people like to know what's going on in the world. They, I think they enjoy that. I think they like being able to discuss it with their friends and, um, you know, have a general sense that they are not living in isolation. But that's why I do the mind killer. Well, I'll just say from my from my view under the rock, living under a rock, that you can see some of the important stuff. You know, I wasn't on Twitter, but I still heard about this COVID thing that was going around. Um, <laughs> in fact, I heard about it a month and a half before anyone else was talking about it. You know, in that sense, I, I curtailed my my news sources, but it wasn't so much news as it was just like my information entertainment sources. You know, someone's V, but someone less wrong. Some from just you know my local community about COVID before it got popular to talk about it. Right? 
I guess what I'm saying is, is that if you're if you're on the fence about whether to just unplug, I say it's great. You don't have to worry about stuff, and anything that really matters, you'll hear about anyway. So it's true that that might not be. But you know, take take that advice with a grain of salt. Maybe I'm missing out on really important stuff, and I don't know what I'm missing out on. So, well, the biggest danger there is that when there is something you need to know about, then you're sort of ill-equipped to inform yourself about it. Well, that's my friends. I guess yeah, that's the thing is you know at least yeah. have have places that you could go if you need to. Right, and that's my suggestion. It's like have some trusted sources for people who are not going to bullshit you and are and are themselves uh, moderately savvy news consumers. That sounds like a sane and just more importantly, like sanity preserving approach. Yeah, if that's your goal, uh, don't read the news. I can't imagine scrolling through any news feed, trying to analyze everything with your Mad Eye Moody hat on. It would burn all of your mental energy. Unless you have fun doing it, then, you know, by all means have fun. But I guess just realize maybe you're having fun. I have fun Uh, doing it. I also just do it by reflex now. That's true. When you wear wear those grooves in, it doesn't take work to... To yeah, kick him in. I read an article and I'm like, all right. I mean, I guess here's what they're here's what they're actually reporting. I try to do that whenever I'm reading an argument that I agree with. Like, especially if I find myself like emotionally satisfied with something I just read. Now I feel like I'm motivated to like this. Let me let me go back and rip it apart on the second reading here. I guess you can kind of do the same thing with the news. You know, if if you find that it checks your buttons of whatever, you know, because everyone has a narrative that they like and they love it when something comes out that supports their version of stuff. You know, if you find something that you're like, oh, yes, yeah, I fucking knew it. Maybe just try to set a ping in your brain that says, hold on, whatever I think that, let me double check. Mm-hmm. Let me think about this again. I don't know if there's like a like a one panacea that will work for this, but. Well, if I think of one, I'll let you know. Great. I came into this, uh, you know, I, I knew that there wasn't, you know, that, that the good guys weren't 100% good and that the bad guys weren't 100% bad. Although I did think that it was slid more towards the second. The bad guys are, are clearly very reliably very bad. And the good guys are basically reliably pretty good. But I'm hearing anecdotes from these two that uh, maybe that's not the case. Nope, everyone's bad. There's no, no, good no, no. Guys. I, I actually, I think, Stephen, you are right. It's just that the bad guys includes almost everyone, and the good guys are basically the Rat Sphere and the Mind Killer podcast in specific. <laughs> <laughs> well put. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like the the sources I actually trust are mostly individual bloggers. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I think a large part of that is because you can get to know an individual blogger and get to understand whether you can trust them or not. Whereas like a or big like news where source, you shouldn't trust them. And yeah, exactly. Whereas a big news source, it's a large organization with multiple editors and competing power groups within it. And you, you, you can't get a feeling for its individual personality. At most, you can get a feeling for like what the narrative it prefers is. You can trust that anything you read on the New York Times won't give you positive news about tech. It's true. Yeah. Also, if I hear about something and I don't know what to think about it, I'll often just post it on the Bayesian Conspiracy server. Have we mentioned in the last but year you- that we have a Discord? It's yeah. linked to in every podcast episode description. It's full <laughs> it of is. really smart people, huh? um, which usually you know give me some extra insight into whatever it is I'm trying to figure out. And a very diverse group of people, which often gives me heartburn, but honestly, <laughs> I like it better this way. Well, that's kind of why I, I think it works. Mm-hmm. Because we don't get that like epistemic closure where everyone agrees with each other. Right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Wes, on this. Um, would you like to stick around for just a minute? We are not going to do less wrong posts today, so it won't be that much longer. I'm not sure. The next thing that we do is talk about the Guild of the Rose. They are sponsors of this podcast. They are a rationalist group. 
They are trying to help you think more better in all the ways that you can think. Today, we are going to be talking about acing the intellectual Turing test because I think it applies to what we were just talking about. The intellectual Turing test is your ability to argue on behalf of a position you don't hold. And you only pass the test if someone who genuinely holds that position agrees that you presented their position well. The Guild of Rose has a whole workshop on how to do this sort of thing. It helps develop your epistemic rationality and reduces your tendency to just treat arguments as soldiers and do this whole, I'm pushing a narrative thing, once you can legitimately explain the other person's side and motivation. So I think this is a good thing for everyone to have. And maybe the people at the New York Times and at Fox News should take this course. The other cool thing about uh, being able to pass, yeah, so acing, that's even, that's a higher bar. The (laughs) the cool thing about that is that when you can articulate someone's opinion that you disagree with well enough that they say, I wish I'd put it that way, that's really well, well articulated, it becomes harder to dislike them for having that opinion. You know, because you're like, okay, I can actually understand where you're coming from. I think you're wrong. And, you know, we have these two or three cruxes or something. But given that, you know, you're where you're coming from, what what you're saying is sounds kind of reasonable. Everyone thinks that 40% of people are on like the other side of crazy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And you realize that no, they're actually they're they're pretty, they're pretty sane. They're just, you know, you guys just disagree on stuff. Yeah, I find that valuable. Your, your, Your fellow humans are actually sapient, regular people just like you. That is a classic conflict resolution strategy. And finally, doing this podcast is not completely free. We do have some expenses. And in addition to that, we do get a little bit more money than what our expenses are. And we really, really appreciate that because it is a lot of time and effort. I personally am always kind of thrilled that people are willing to give some money to us for doing this thing. Stephen, who are we thanking this week for helping the people help us help them? Yeah, it still blows my mind. Uh, We are giving a special shout out this week or this episode to the Royce. Uh, just the one name, like Teller and Cher. Uh, yeah. LeRoyce. High five. We really appreciate you. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can join the Discord. You can support us on Patreon. You can listen to the Mind Killer that has Wes leading it. And thanks again for Wes, to Wes for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good man. time. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye.